When it comes to the so-called war on terror, the United Kingdom has been a leader for a long time. After 9-11 and attacks inside the UK, the government came up with a new strategy, and one bit of it is known as the four Ps – prevent, pursue, protect and prepare. For years, one of those Ps in particular has come under criticism. Britain's schools are learning a demanding new subject countering extremism. The prevent strategy was introduced by New Labour. Its stated aim to target all threats of violent extremism. Prevent works at a grassroots level. It works within the heart of the community. The government considers prevent key in stopping ideology from becoming violence. But many people, including many Muslims, have expressed concerns about the approach and its effectiveness. So today we're taking a look at PREVENT, the scrutiny it's faced, and what its future might be. I'm Hala Mahiadeen, in for Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Right now, PREVENT's under independent review. The review started in 2019 and it's since been boycotted by numerous organisations from local Muslim groups to Amnesty UK. More than 500 Muslim organisations representing the very communities the review was meant to reassure have announced that they'll be boycotting it. Many of those organisations have instead participated in an alternate review, what they call the People's Review of Prevent. But British politicians don't take kindly to criticism of Prevent. They see it as a slippery slope. Back in April, former Prime Minister David Cameron wrote that delegitimising counter-terrorism is in essence enabling terrorism. So I spoke to the two leaders of the People's Review to understand where this criticism comes from. Leila Eitelhatch is the director of Prevent Watch, and John Holmwood is a sociologist from the University of Nottingham. Well, let's start with the basics. What is Prevent? I mean, what exactly is it doing? Who's it targeting? And how is it actually working? So, Prevent is supposed to be stopping people from being drawn into terrorism. That's actually what it says on the tin. But it doesn't do that because it's very far away from any potential act. It's suggesting that you can predict somehow in the future who might become a terrorist. Well, that prediction is one key of the programme. Speech or behaviour that's considered extreme can be referred to prevent as a sign of potential for radicalisation. And then prevent officers can investigate. They can close the case or refer it for further intervention. And many people say they've seen it help. This officer spoke to Al Jazeera about his duties back in 2014. My name is PC Mohammed Najib. I work with the West Midlands Counterterrorism Unit and I work specifically for the Prevent Department. Once the community members realise there is a person that's possibly in danger of being radicalised, they can approach me and then we can address that issue. Prevent is all about helping people, not criminalising people or arresting them. The only people that have uh, to fear something if they've got obviously something to hide. 
The problem is that in years of research, there's never been evidence that you can predict ideological violence based on speech or behaviour. And you can sometimes see that in government research as well. In 2008, British media reported on a classified study by the security service MI5, which emphasised that the many individuals it reviewed had taken strikingly different journeys to violent extremist activity. John Holmwood, the sociologist, explained. If it's counter-terrorism, it's at a very big distance from it and highly speculative in its assumption. So... 50% of those caught up in PREVENT are schoolchildren. There's no way that they are close to the commission of a terrorist offence. In fact, terrorist offences are very rare. But the theory that violence can be predicted remains a key part of the strategy to fight it. Here's Theresa May speaking about it back in 2011 when she was Home Secretary. Prevent must also recognise and tackle the insidious impact of non-violent extremism, which can create an atmosphere conducive to terrorism and can popularise views which terrorists exploit. Would you say that most Muslim families in the UK are aware of Prevent? I mean, what kind of reputation does it have among the people who know what this programme is? A lot of people recognise Prevent but they don't know what it's called. So similar to um, if you're a Muslim and you're stopped at the airport uh, coming into the UK and you're questioned for several hours, you may not identify that you've been questioned under Schedule 7, but you will be able to describe the concepts of, oh, I'm you know routinely profiled when I come into the country. And that's a similar case with Prevent. So many people might not know what it's called, but they'll be very, very aware of the kind of prevent environment that has built up, that you can't speak freely or express your religion freely or express your political thoughts freely, particularly if you're Muslim, because that might cause a flag. Often I have families refer to it as a flag or, you know, maybe I'm on the list. They don't necessarily understand the correct terminology to use, but they're very much aware of the fact that they could be flagged up and they could be referred to prevent. Over the years, the focus has increasingly included other types of groups and beliefs, including right-wing ideology. The Home Office says it's demonstrably false that Prevent targets one specific faith or ethnic group. It cited government figures for the 2021 year that show less than a quarter of referrals were related to what it calls Islamist extremism. The Home Office also cites studies showing support for PREVENT or similar programmes across demographics, including Muslims. But Leila says the referrals of Muslims are still disproportionate because they only make up 5% of the UK population. When you actually look at the numbers and say, well, hold on, there's only 5% of Muslims in the UK, how much more likely are you to be referred if you're Muslim than Initially, it was like 50 times more likely. And now in recent years, I think it's still, you're still, I think, eight or nine times more likely to be referred to prevent as a Muslim. Let's take a look at some of the numbers then, because those statistics you've given us are quite striking. A million training sessions have taken place for the Prevent programme. Who's being trained and what does this training entail? I mean, the education sector has the highest referrals. So we're definitely talking a lot about teachers, about doctors, people who you trust in society to provide a certain level of care, public sector workers, 
that need to be trained because they are mandated to carry out the prevent duty. And that duty is to monitor the people in their workplaces. Here's former Prime Minister David Cameron discussing the prevent duty back in 2015 when it first came into effect. We've passed the prevent duty and put that duty on every public body in our country, on schools and colleges and universities. And the Home Secretary and I were in a school in Luton this week listening to teachers who said that's actually made a real difference and referrals into uh, the Channel programme are happening far more quickly because of the changes that we've made. I've never heard of somebody who's fallen foul of their prevent duty, but you can imagine the fear um, and sense of insecurity about not referring. The government considers this a soft intervention, a way of keeping people out of the criminal justice system in the long term. Have you seen it play out that way? The government suggests it's a soft intervention, but actually what happens on the ground is not very soft. Layla says that's because of the physical visit by police that often accompanies a prevent referral. Now, it's quite intimidating to be visited, imagine, at your home, which many of the cases are. They're visited at home by uh, a police officer, imagine, let alone an officer who identifies as a counterterrorism officer. And this is, bear in mind, it's not for somebody who's been suspected of a crime. This is somebody who apparently is showing a sign of potentially in the future being some kind of terrorist. Well, as you mentioned, you uh, you work as a caseworker with many families who have been impacted uh, by Prevent. So you've seen this impact firsthand. Can you tell me about some of the people that you've worked with? There have been numerous families impacted by Prevent, even some of the referrals that have come through to us about far right uh, referrals, even those are equally problematic because you still have the same issues of children being referred to prevent. You have the introduction of social services. So some of the examples are, are very bizarre. I mean, younger children. So as young as four years old being referred to prevent. So one of the cases that was reported uh, just over a year ago, I believe, was the one on Fortnite. The popular online game Fortnite, um, there was a four-year-old child, he'd seen his cousins playing this game um, and he started to refer to it at nursery and um, the early years uh, supervisor, basically his teacher, um, decided that was cause for concern enough to make a prevent referral. There are also well-known cases where children have been misheard and teachers confuse one word for another. But for older children and adults, sometimes the cases have to do with politics, including disagreements with British policy. And because this isn't an investigation of a crime, it can happen without a guardian present. There was one girl who spoke out about her own interrogation by police, and it had to do with her speaking out on Palestine. Can you tell me about her? That particular girl was one of several girls in a London school who had taken part in some Palestinian activism in the May-June time of last year. An assistant teacher took me out of my lesson and she led me to an empty room with a long table and there was a policewoman sitting on one end of the table and I was advised to sit on the other end before the teacher walked out and closed the door behind her. She essentially was interrogated without the consent or knowledge 
of her parents by a police officer at school who told her that she should really be down at the station and the fact that she's being questioned at the school is almost a favour. She was saying something about me going to the police station, which I didn't end up going to, but I thought it meant I would be going to prison. She called her parents, crying her eyes out, only to realise that her parents had no idea what was happening. You can imagine your horror as a parent. I mean, we have the testimony of her father who said, you know, can you imagine being called by a police officer and they mention your young daughter's name? He said he thought she'd been in a a crash or something and she died. Because why else would a police officer call you and mention your child's name? The Home Office doesn't comment on individual cases, but a spokesman told us in a statement, quote, It is the government's duty to protect the public, and this includes diverting people away from terrorism. Prevent works to protect rather than undermine fundamental human rights and British law. It has changed and saved the lives of individuals from all walks of life, with over 3,000 people led away from radicalisation and supported through the Channel programme, end quote. Which brings us back to this independent review. Prevent began almost two decades ago, but it hasn't had this kind of review before, as Leila's colleague John Holmwood explained. It hasn't been subject to any independent review because it's not directed at any criminal offences. It's not subject to the same kind of review that criminal legislation would have. And when it was announced, John felt prevent critics did leave room for optimism. People were, I guess, a little bit suspicious, but they were keen that this would be the first opportunity where critical voices could be heard and so on. And the government indeed announced it in those terms that now was a time for critical voices to put up or shut up that kind of uh, argument and would see things on an evidence base. But the first independent reviewers soon stepped down after a legal challenge. Now the government's appointed a man named William Shawcross. He's a former head of the Charity Commission and a think tank called the Henry Jackson Society. And he's the man who triggered the boycott. Organisations say they're boycotting the review because of previous controversial remarks William Shawcross has made, including describing Islam as one of the greatest, most terrifying problems of our future. They also point to the fact that there was a huge increase in statutory investigations into Muslim charities during his time at the Charities Commission. There was no reason to believe that his attitude would be any different towards uh, Prevent. Even organisations that have completely different ideas about what should happen with Prevent, you know, some say Prevent should be scrapped altogether, some should say it can be reformed, we can just tweak it a bit. But everybody unanimously agreed that they would reject and boycott Shawcross taking part as the independent reviewer of Prevent. Now, there are leaked excerpts that have reportedly come out from the review draft, and it looks like it's a renewed focus on Muslims' ideology that Shawcross believes is needed. In British media reports of the leak, an excerpt says Prevent now has too broad of a focus on far-right ideology which includes what's described as mainstream, right-wing-leaning commentary that has no meaningful connection to terrorism or radicalisation. The Home Office doesn't comment on leaks, but a spokesperson told us in a statement, quote, 
The independent review of PREVENT, led by William Shawcross, will ensure we continue to improve our response and better protect people from being drawn into poisonous and dangerous ideologies. The report is currently being finalised and once formally received and after full consideration, the report and the government's response to it will be published. End quote. So you've participated in an alternate review, the People's Review. What is the People's Review and how is this different? Because there were so many people who boycotted and didn't want to take part in the official government review of Prevent, we realised that it would be really good to open up an alternative platform where people could still take part in sharing their evidence without feeling the pressure to go back to the government review and actually, you know, would rather take part than not take part at all. Are you worried that these people wouldn't have been listened to in the official review? 100%. These people would have never been listened to in the official review um, because these people's experience, these people's lived experience has always been denied and they haven't even listened to the concerns of those who are closest to terrorism. So when you have uh, intelligence security officers raising concerns that PREVENT is not working, when you have UN rapporteurs who are mandated to report on this and they're saying that this is causing stigmatization of entire communities and we don't believe it's effective and the government is refusing to listen despite a number of experts, a number of research reports that had previously been published Although John and Layla had concerns about what prevent means for society, for both of them, they were also concerned as parents. I had children, my children went to school. Nothing about school placed them in conflict with who I was or who they were as a consequence of who I was. For Muslim children, there's a problem that they have to leave parts of themselves at the school gate. And as soon as I realised that, I thought that is really... That's really terrible. Myself as a mother, you know, I remember getting a call once from school and my first instinct was not that maybe my child had hit her head or, you know, but my first thing was, oh, did she say something? (laughs) Did she say something that was taken out of context because she is a Muslim child growing up in a day and age where thoughts are policed and there is a lens of securitization that's being placed over our children. But it also still feels very personal when, you know, non-Muslims call through on the um, casework helpline and, you know, tell me of their stories because essentially their children are still going through the same. You know, we don't want equal oppression across the board. It doesn't soften the blow to Muslims that it's happening to other communities. In fact, it's worse because it just goes to show that it's spreading. What is it you want the government to know as they get ready to publish this review? I think they need to know that PREVENT is not actually preventing terrorism. And those who raise that concern that PREVENT is not actually preventing terrorism are not enabling terrorism. In fact, they are simply pointing out the obvious and they are suggesting that those resources that are being injected into PREVENT need to be diverted elsewhere so that we can have a safe society. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Alexandra Locke and Nagin Oliai, with Ney Alvarez, Ruby Zaman, Amy Walters and me, Halima Hiedin, in for Malika Bilal. 
Our sound designer is Alex Roldan, and our engagement producers are Aya Al-Malik and Adam Abugad. We'll be back on Wednesday. <laughs>